Hi, I'm Ben. Hi, I'm Rob. We've been mates since we met at drama school in 2004. We're both actors, and for the last 10 years we've been working in all sorts of productions, from small fringe shows to big arena tours. We love the theatre, so we thought we would make a podcast to bring you a series of inspiring conversations with interesting people from the world of theatre. So this is our podcast. Welcome to Inside the West End. Inside the West End, with Ben Morris and Rob Copeland. Thank you for downloading episode four of Inside the West End. Follow us on Twitter at Inside West End, or if you'd like to contact us, then email Inside the West End at gmail.com. Coming up, we talk to West End legend Barry James, who I first met when I went on work experience at the Many Air Chocolate Factory, where Barry was in the cast of Little Shop of Horrors. Fast forward six years, and we performed alongside each other in the West End cast of Phantom of the Opera. And you know what? I found him to be one of the most creative actors that I've ever met. So we popped down to the Theatre Royal Drury Lane, where Barry's currently playing Grandpa Joe in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. And here's the chat we had. My name is Barry James. And you're listening to Inside the West End. Barry James, welcome to Inside the West End. Thank you. Thank you for having us in your lovely dressing room backstage at the Theatre Royal Drury Lane, where you're currently playing Grandpa Joe in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. How's it going? It's going really well. Um, it's uh, a year and a half now I've done it for. It's a tough show. It was the toughest show I think I've ever done, actually. Oh, really? Well, there's a lot of choreography involved in it. Uh, and that took me quite a while to get that together. And there's a lot of uh, technical stuff yeah. as well. But now all that's not out of the way exactly, but all that's manageable now. So uh, I'm sort of all right with it, I think. That, because there's lots of children in the show, does it mean lots and lots of rehearsals? Yes, because <laughs> uh, there's like 15 kids, you see. Uh, but they do sets of four. Yeah. Uh, so there's quite a lot of rehearsal with, with that. And last rehearsal period was nine, nine weeks. Wowzers, nine and weeks. And the covers did... In three months, they did 12 weeks. Yeah. So it was a really, really heavy period. And doing the show at night time as well. So there's eight shows a week. And sometimes there's nine, and depending on whether the kid's back at school or not. So you're in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory at the moment. You have a wealth of experience as a performer. I mean, your role, the range of roles you've played is, is, is very inspiring. But we want to take you right back. Do you remember your first ever performance be it a school play do you remember anything I remember my first school performance was in Lady Precious Stream and I played the Emperor Wang Yan in it but that was at school (laughs) yeah but my first uh, proper professional uh, experience was um, with the Argyle Theatre Company Birkenhead (laughs) and what was your earliest memory of performing where you realised oh Maybe I could do this as a job. Last year, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. do, did you ever? Do you think you thought ahead like that, or do you think you kind of no. saw where it took you in it? Yeah, I just just went along with it all. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which you you do. I still do. Really, yeah. uh, and I, I'm always surprised when I get employed. It's quite exciting, really. So I still got my sort of stage struck thing about me with with it all because it, it is an extraordinary business to be in. And this is a vast theatre, I and mean, it seats like 2,500 or something yeah. like that. And we just walked across the stage to get to your dressing room where two we're recording. Two days to get across, isn't it? It did take two days. We had to take a bus and a boat. Um, <laughs> it is vast. It's, I mean, and the yeah. set, I've seen the show a couple of times. Oh, it's, okay. it's a wonderful show. Yeah, it's, and, uh, it's w- terrific. W- walking across the stage and seeing that, I mean, you feel like you're a borrower. It's, it's, it is a massive production. But the original production of Ben-Hur, stage production, was done 
here in 1926, I think it was. And they had horses on stage and everything. On a con- it was on a conveyor belt or something? Well, yeah, I think it was I'm extraordinary. Yeah. And, and this is the most haunted theatre in London. Have you ex- experienced that whilst working here? Or are you a, a not a believer in that side of it? I, I don't know. I say goodnight to the ghosts every night, so you go and go. Keep them on side. Yeah. They look after me. Was there a moment where you... Uh, consciously decided that you would make acting your career. I mean, you went to Guildford School of Acting. Yes! So you must have decided to go and train. Well, I just thought that it might be a good idea because I hadn't trained, you see. I mean, all my, my experience was practical experience. And I was very lucky when I went to the drama school because there was very few people there. It had been a dancing school before that. There's about eight of us. And then it was recognised by the local council. And then the Ibonano Theatre was about to open. And I got a job in there, which was amazing. I, I was seen there by the National Theatre scout people and then uh, asked to go and audition for the National Theatre, which I did in 1967, which was a hell of a long time ago. And I got into the National Theatre Company, and then I went on from there, and I stayed with the National Theatre for seven years. You, so you trained at Guildford, yeah. and you, in a, I guess in a production like Charlie, you work with, uh, and Phantom and other productions you've done, you work with a lot of graduates straight out of drama school. Yeah. Do you recognise a difference in training? I don't know. I, I, I don't think they teach things like voice production anymore, because it's all about microphones and stuff. Um, even doing a play at the National, yeah. um, we had microphones on which in 1967 you didn't have microphones. Yeah. You, you projected and used your diaphragm. Like, but I don't think they teach quite... It's so technological now, the whole thing. Yeah. That, so it is, I think it is very different. And it's, um, I think it's sort of tougher in a way. We have five people on choreography in this, you see. And it's, a, it's an enormous amount of people. In the old days, back in 1826, <laughs> they, um, you had your director... And there was no one else. And the director would come back after six months and give you loads of notes for half a day or something. But now you have assistant directors and assistant assistant directors and assistant 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 directors. We are like five people on choreography. This is like the three people on the directorship side. They call it the creative team. So they all do everything. And they, they whip this production all the time. We rehearse every day, um, some of it. it. It's absolutely constant. And there's... Uh, like three quarters of an hour boot camp before each show, which is physical and vocal warm-up. Do you take part? I do take part, but I found it a bit of a wear-out rather than a warm-up. Yeah. Because um, I do so much in the show, and what I do in the show is a warm-up anyway, because it starts off quite sort of static, and yeah. then it gets more and more and more with the, the movement of the beds, with uh, the, the canes and the hats and all the props and everything. And then by the end of Act 1, I'm flying, because then he goes into this huge dance routine. Yeah. So it's a gradual warm-up. But I do join in the stretches and stuff, um, and that's, that's sort of all right. Plus, I guess, Grandpa Joe starts off the show not being able to walk, having been bedridden. Yes. So he- him having massive biceps probably would contradict that. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and he's uh, he's paralysed really from the waist down. Yeah. Except when he does get up and dance, he really does dance. But it's um, a tough, tough call. But I had an accident um, last year with one of the kids um, in the dark actually because uh, he was going to get his water before the um, that scene at the end when I'm in the bucket and, yeah. and the big boat goes across and everything. 
and he made a different move, this child, and I fell over his ankles flat on my face and smashed both my knees, and it was like red-hot irons on there, and I got into the bucket thinking... I don't know whether I can continue this, but I thought, I can't stop the show at this point, because we're nearly at the end now. There's like another 20 minutes or something. That'd be the finish of it all. So it was uh, it was OK. I got through the mass night. So all the knee stuff that we do in warm-up, I don't tend to do too much of that now. When we look at the roles that Barry James has played, quite often they're established roles that somebody else has been the first person to, to help create. And you always manage to come in and bring your own interpretation to it. How do you do that? <laughs> I, I, I tend not to see the show uh, before I go into it. Uh, partly because I'd feel intimidated by whoever had done it before because they'd done it for such a long time and they got the whole thing together. So it, it's sort of my own, um, my own personality, I suppose, comes through it all. And uh, the people that direct me um, sort of gear it towards the, the, the character that I'm actually playing. And I had... <laughs> One child a few weeks ago came to see the show with his parents. And he said, oh, talk to me in your Grandpa Joe's voice. And I didn't have, have no idea that I'd got a uh, Grandpa Joe's voice at all. I thought it was just my normal voice. And when I was rehearsing it, um, Annabelle, who was directing in, in place of, uh, of uh, Sam Mendes, said, uh, Barry, why are you using an old man's voice? You are an old man. <laughs> You are an old man. I thought, well, yes, actually, I am. I am an old man. But um, my normal voice, I, I, I didn't think sounded particularly strange. But I think Grandpa Joe's voice has, has sort of evolved. Do, is there a moment as, the, as an actor, we've just slipped, us two, into the dad casting bracket, the young dad in yeah. commercials. So you're playing Grandpa Joe. There must be a moment where, as an actor, you go... Oh, I'm the, I'm that bracket now, and I'm that's a whole new pool of yeah, roles I, don't I can play. Like that. I don't like that idea no. at all. No. I, don't, I cried on my 60th birthday. Oh, really? I'm 70 now. There's a lot. Of, that's old, isn't it? I mean, that's really old. 70. But then you look at people like Helen Mirren, and uh, yeah. I mean, I don't know how old she is, but um, she's quite remarkable, isn't she? Yeah. And Judy Dench and Maggie Smith. I don't want to be doing Judy Dench particularly or <laughs> Mirren, but um, I, I like to go on sort of as long as I can, really. I mean, but I've never play. played Romeo anyway. <laughs> I, I wouldn't. I, I'm, uh, I, I would play. Um, I, I play the sort of character stuff, and have played really character stuff all my life, apart from maybe Seymour. I did the original Seymour in Little Shop of Horrors, which was five hundred years ago as well. But that was the nearest thing to, I suppose, my age at the time that I've ever done. Because normally, I'm a lot older. I mean, Tenardier. I, I was quite young when I did Tenardier, and that was a much older character. But it's quite exciting. Yeah, because they're not like me at all, and and that's that's quite interesting because uh, you're supposed to bring your own personality into it. But if you're playing a killer, you don't go around murdering people, do you? Hope you're enjoying the conversation. Please make sure you subscribe to the podcast. We're going to have a different guest on every week. Stay tuned at the end, and we're going to give you a little teaser of who's on next week's one. So don't miss that. It's very easy to subscribe. All you need to do is go to your normal podcast app whether that's on an Apple phone or an Android phone. You go to it, you find our show. On an Android phone, if you're using DoublePod, then you just see next to our logo is a button that says subscribe. You'd click that. Or if it's an Apple phone, then you see the logo for our show. Next to it is a little settings wheel that looks like a cog. You click on that and then you'll see a few options down. It says subscribe. You click that. If you subscribe to our show every week when we release an episode, it will automatically appear on your device, ready for you to listen to whenever is convenient. And of course, it's completely free. 
Now back to the chat with Barry. With show business, it's a very up and down game uh, for, for anyone, no matter what part of your career you're in. Has it ever been a point where you've felt maybe I'm going to stop or you've been tempted to step no, away? No, I was never tempted to stop. Um, I was out of work for about nine months once and, and I thought it was an extraordinary amount of time. But some people have been out. I've been terribly, terribly lucky. Um, but I just work hard all the time and it's never been easy for me. I very seldom get a job just say uh, a director will say I would like you to be in something I've had about three times in my life actually uh, but most of the time I audition the same as everybody else So has your approach to auditions changed over time? Once I, I did an audition um, that I wanted to do I wanted to do an audition where I didn't have to look at the script uh, that I knew it really well and that I could really perform it and feel I'm really confident with this. It, it was very difficult to wind myself up to do that, but I did it, and I thought, this is marvellous, this is marvellous. Positive thinking. I got this job, I got this job, I didn't get this job. And I didn't get the job. And I, that was the first time I'd been really positive about something ever in my life, because usually I'm, I've always got the script with me as a sort of safety thing. It's not a memory test, it's not. And when I did the, um, the audition for this, I, I sort of knew it okay, but... I couldn't have put the script down. I thought, I can't, I can't do this. I can't put the script down. It's not a memory test. If they like what you do, they like what you do. If they don't like what you do, it doesn't matter what you do. You're not right for it. And I obviously seemed, for Sam anyway, who's absolutely fabulous, but I mean, everybody says that, but he is, is lovely, and I've worked for him twice now. I still audition for him, but there's a, a warmth there. Um, and that that makes you feel more confident just by the fact that someone has that sort of warmth towards you, rather than it's a yeah it's a, a distance and and it's a board of people and you've got to impress them yeah and uh, and when you feel like that then maybe the job is not going to be right for you anywhere. Sometimes you get them, sometimes you don't. It doesn't matter how much work you've done or, or what sort of notoriety you've achieved. If you're not right for the job at the time. You don't get it. That's it. I'm interested in this idea of star quality. Okay, I know you won't tolerate that. You won't consider yourself a star. Uh, but you must have met many people in your time who have star quality. Oh, yeah. Is it something you can learn? No, I don't think so. I think you're, you're, you're sort of born with it, aren't you? When, you? when I go and watch somebody like Liza Minnelli, which I saw when she was at the Albert Hall many, many years ago now, but she just radiated. She was extraordinary. The electricity that came out of that woman was absolutely staggering. And the same with a lot of those people, Strides and all those people, uh, are, are quite incredible. And I don't think people like me are incredible. I think we're quite interesting. <laughs> but we don't have that thing that they've got, and I'm not sure what that is. But I've always been voracious with what I do. I really go for it all the time, all the time, all the time. Every day, every day, every day. It's only two hours of the evening, isn't it? Well apart from when matinee days, which like today on a Saturday. But um, I don't think that's even got anything to do with it. I don't know what it is. And I don't know whether they know either, actually. I've starred in things quite a lot, but I don't feel that I'm a star exactly. I don't think people would queue up to see me at the Albert Hall, would they? <laughs> oh, wait a minute, though. No, they did, though. They did queue up because we did the 25th anniversary at the Albert Hall. That was a very flippant, Barry, a very stupid thing to say. <laughs> you've appeared at the Albert Hall... That was, that was very exciting as well, going live to the world. 
uh, and which we did. Did you? Were you in it as well? No. There was about five hundred <laughs> people in it. They used I people was, from every I, production of, of Phantom of the Opera that ever been. I came in the following year. Ah, yeah. Phantom of the following but year. So I, I missed it by a couple of months. It was very exciting. You can get yeah. it on DVD. And, and there's an extraordinary intimacy about the album. Mm. I'm not quite sure why. Because when I first went out there, I looked and thought, "This is really scary. I, I don't, I'm going to do this." Mm. I always get nervous. I've never lost that. As I say, it gets a bit better, it's got for me, actually. Um, uh, and that's that's quite nice. Well, Barry, there's a sign on the door here which says, Barry James, actor extraordinaire, West End legend. Oh. And you are. And thank you so much for taking the time to speak oh, to us this morning. Nice. Appreciate it. You've got two shows to do and you've already done a bunch this week. We uh, really appreciate it. Before we go, I have one last question for yes. you. If you had one piece of advice for somebody who wanted to work inside the West End... What would that be? Uh, perseverance, I think. Uh, Sybil Thorndike, I don't know whether any of you will remember Sybil Thorndike. She's a very, very famous actress. And she was married to Sir Lewis Casson. And when they opened The Young Vic, somebody asked her that question. And she said, perseverance, perseverance. Lewis has been ramming it into me for over 50 years. <laughs> so I say perseverance to all of you. On that note... <laughs> We will leave it there. Thank you so much, Barry, your <laughs> dream. A massive thank you to Barry James for taking the time to speak to us. He came in early to work on a two-show day before playing a role where he barely leaves the stage. So, Barry, we really, really appreciate it. And also a big thank you to you, the listeners. Uh, since launching this podcast, the support that we've had has been absolutely overwhelming uh, we've had so many follows and retweets and shares that iTunes have listed us as new and noteworthy on their podcast homepage uh, so thank you iTunes uh, if you like what we're doing then please head to iTunes and write a little few sentences as a review of our work it would really help to keep the momentum going also please keep sharing uh, and not just on social media word of mouth goes a really long way with podcasts so tell all your friends and family if they like theatre or they like listening to good interviews views with interesting people to download and subscribe to inside the west end podcast also you can follow us on twitter at inside west end remember to stay tuned to the very end for a clip of the next episode but before that we make this podcast for free if you've enjoyed it and you'd like to help us make future episodes then here's how you can next time you shop online with amazon visit insidethewestend.com first Click on any of our adverts for Amazon to access their site. Your shopping will cost you exactly the same as normal, but Amazon will give us a small kickback on any of your purchases as a thank you. Also on InsideTheWestEnd.com, you'll see a donate button. If you'd like to make a direct contribution, then click on the button and follow the link. Now, as promised, we have a clip of the next episode with producer, director and founder of the Union Theatre, Sasha Regan. Thanks for listening. But you went straight into creating your own work, creating something for yourself. It feels like it was quite early, because I was about 23 when I started this, when I got the lease and everything. But that long two years when you've graduated (laughs) and you're not getting auditions and Mm. you're not doing what you want. It's no different now, though. The producing work that I get is what I create. No one really comes along and waves a magic wand Mm. if you want to direct. There's very few people that go straight in. and if If you haven't been to Oxford and Cambridge and and have a massive amount of contacts 